0: Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode number 86 of the Langponer Podcast. Guys, usually in these interviews we focus on just one topic, right? Well today we're just gonna have just gonna, gonna have a chat with um, with an inspiring langponer. His name is Mike Goffman, but in China he's better known as Mike um, he has a very big audience in China, he teaches English. And he's not just active on one platform, but on multiple platforms in China and on top of that also on Facebook and Instagram and on YouTube, of course, where he has quite a significant audience. Um, he does everything in Chinese, so his avatar is very clear, but active on many platforms. So one of the topics that we're going to talk about is how to maintain so many platforms, right? We're also going to talk about the digital, like the digital marketing landscape in China, which is um, it's quite interesting. It's quite different from uh, from here in the West. Um, you know, also also we will also cover why you should not be afraid of competition. Um, you know, how to keep yourself motivated to create content and all that kind of good stuff. So this is going to be an interesting. I really enjoyed this chat. It's um, yeah, the interview is slightly longer um than usual interviews but that's a good thing because that means that it was interesting right (laughs) i hope you're gonna enjoy this after the intro of course let's get started This is the Langpreneur Podcast, where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aa. Hey Mike, welcome to the Langpreneur Podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. So, um, yeah, I, I I teach English primarily online and through multiple social media platforms. Um, I'm based in China, so I use a lot of Chinese social media. Um, and I also have a pretty good sized platform on YouTube and I'm just kind of starting out a, a Facebook page too, to see how that goes and, and see how monetization works over there. And so, yeah, I'm kind of spread all over the place, but, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing, talking about English, trying finding new and fun ways to teach English and share a little bit about American culture, the culture I grew up in. And uh, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell, I guess.
0: Yeah. so you have been living in China for a while for how long, exactly?
1: This would be my eleventh year right now, and most of that time has been in in Shanghai, um, although I have spent a couple of years in northern China, northeastern China. Uh, which is also amazing. So if you ever get the chance to go after all this uh, craziness is over, I, I highly recommend everybody at least visit China once in their life.
0: And which province was that where you were before?
1: I was in Hebei province, okay. which is just east of Beijing. And then I spent one summer in uh, Inner Mongolia, actually, oh, really? I'm kind of by the Russian border, which was really wild. It's like the Wild, wild west, or maybe the wild, wild north. I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you you worked out as an English teacher, or what were you doing? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, so I originally I came here uh, teaching English out of college. Um, it was just kind of one of those random life decisions where I made you know a pretty big, big switch uh, from what I was doing. I was just kind of unhappy with my current work situation at home in the U.S., and it was. Um, it was, I guess someone would call it a, a bold move. I don't know. I, I just <laughs> know that I, I did it, and I uh, I never looked back. I just, I really found a, a love for teaching. I loved being in the classroom. I loved the students. You know, in China, I think you're you're pretty fortunate to be a teacher because they, they just treat you really well. You're, you're very highly respected. Yeah. And um, it's, it's almost, I don't know, kind of like being a, a doctor in the West, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. wow, you're a a doctor and in China it's like wow you're a teacher that's so great we're so thankful yeah. to have you and yeah. it's I, really uh, great
0: yeah so I, I mean as I told you before we started this interview I spent a few years in China and I remember visiting yeah. uh, an elementary school in the countryside like they wanted to bring us over and just you know teach I mean I'm not a teacher but they just wanted a, a bunch of white mm-hmm. guys in front of the classroom so that the school looks yeah. good right and then we asked yep. the students what they wanted to do once uh, yeah what kind of profession that they wanted to do when they're grown up And they all said, "I want to become a teacher." So you you have that you have that dream job now. You are the doctor. Um, Yeah, highly respected. You have that doctor status. Yeah. 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 So, um, do you have a background in teaching?
1: Uh, I didn't when I first came, um, but after that first year, I'm just like, "This is this is really fun." I I just enjoy this so much, and uh, so I, I went back to school. Uh, I got certified, I, I, you know, got my degree in, in teaching and got certified in the state okay. um, that I was from at the time, so I I am a certified teacher, I, I can teach in the U.S. now if I wanted, you know, so, or at, at a lot of international schools across the world, Yeah, um, they would take me, but I'm just having, now I'm just having too much fun teaching online, so yeah. <laughs> in some regards it's like, oh. went back to school and got that degree and now i'm not using it again
0: (laughs) yeah so how important is it to have a degree nowadays you think
1: i mean if you want to be an international school teacher or you know um a teacher in china you for sure have to have at least a bachelor's degree um it's becoming more and more strict as as more and more teachers are have been coming over you know um, the demand, or sorry, the uh, the requirements are getting higher. Because before, you know, I was able to teach, this was back in 2007, I was able to teach with having very minimal training um, and never really, you know, taught in front of a, a class before. But it was kind of like what you said, that the situation wasn't like, it wasn't super ideal for the students. I only saw each class, you know, two periods a week, you know, that was like less than two hours. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, even if I was a a professional teacher the best teacher in the world I, I probably would have had a, a fairly minimal impact in regards to them improving their English so I think in that kind of situation when you have you know all these different groups of kids and you see them just very very limited time with them I think the best impact you can have is just to just you know make friends with them and, and share your life and culture with them so
0: yeah all right and when did you start creating content and uploading it? to the internet
1: so um, I got married in 2014 and then the following year I'd had this idea in my mind for a couple years um, just teaching English you know just constantly being asked the same questions over and over again you know whether it's about pronunciation or whatever or constantly hearing the same grammar mistakes or um, Translation mistakes, pronunciation mistakes. So I kind of thought I should just like make a video about these mistakes I keep hearing, and then when I get asked about it or um, someone wants to learn something, I can just refer them and like ha- you know maybe have a few videos um, to answer their questions. Not that I was sick of explaining it over and over again. It just I thought it would be kind of a, a more high-tech approach to teaching. Yeah. And so that was the original idea, and then <coughs> excuse me, I talked to my wife, and we kind of committed to like, okay, let's let's just try this for one year, you know, try to make a bunch of videos, and you know, there's a huge market for learning English in China as well as a lot of countries. And let's just see see where it goes. So we did it, and you know, it was it was very slow going at first, but I think after that first year, I think there was enough of uh, an interest to fall fo- in a following to continue. So we continued on for a second year, and you weren't, we weren't really making any money, right? This was kind of uh, a side hustle, a side hustle where we weren't earning anything. Um, but it was, I guess, it was sort of an investment into the into the future possibility, right? So yeah. I think by the third year, we're kind of like okay, um, starting to catch some interest of. Companies that want to advertise with us, and starting to get a lot of requests from students who want to go deeper and have like longer form uh, courses and and different ki- types of content. And you know, we started diversifying our platforms. I actually didn't start uploading. So this was 2015 when we first started, and I didn't, I didn't upload any videos to YouTube until 2017 because I just figured that. Chinese people wouldn't really watch YouTube. That was a huge mistake, because you know, come to find out, there's there's millions and millions of Chinese people outside of the mainland. You know, Yeah. millions. And so, um, I started uploading in 2017, and man, that just took off so fast. <laughs> uh, I was I was probably at thirty five thousand subscribers in the matter of like weeks, mm-hmm. and it's just it just spiraled up from there. Um, so. I kind of regret not, not going on YouTube earlier um, because as, as a creator, def, you definitely have a, um, a great resource in YouTube as far as monetizing, right? So Yeah. So where did um, you get
0: started originally then? On which platforms? On Bilibili or?
1: I started on WeChat, which you're probably familiar with if you're in China. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the one app fits all kind of a, a chat app, uh, almost like a Facebook and you know you can buy you know plane tickets you can pay your electric bill um you can pay you can pay for things with it everywhere you go you pay for stuff with it by scanning a QR code it, you manage all your bank affairs on it
0: yeah
1: um and so i started on there you get you can have these things called a public account um so which means you can send posts to people who follow you yeah uh, once per day at most once per day mm. Uh, I don't send that much, maybe once or twice per week normally. So that's where we started just because everything revolves around WeChat. And looking back, it was kind of silly of me because I I spent like months, maybe even almost a year like building this really nice website, acquiring like all these English learning resources for Chinese people to learn English and consolidating them in one area. And I was going to have this, you know, Membership and da 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 da, and come to find out, like you know, people in China they're they're very mobile orientated, which the whole world is now. But um, they just they don't really look at websites because the new the new website quote unquote is is you know on your mobile phone. Yeah. And so they're accessed through WeChat, and so all that hard work I had to scrap the website because no one was really going on it, and wasn't really helping anybody and I was focusing all my time and energy in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how fast did that audience grow then on, on WeChat in the beginning? You said like it took two to three years to get to a level yeah. where it could potentially become a business. Are we talking about yeah. numbers of followers or how do you measure your the impact that you can make on, on WeChat?
1: Yeah, I think I can't remember exactly how many I had after two or three years. Um, it was it was substantial enough to attract the attention of, um, some other English platforms, right? And once you do that, uh, once you start attracting attention of people that want to work with you, um, pay you to promote things, then, you know, you have, you know, something of, of interest, especially when, when they're the ones looking for you, right? I've, I've, to this day, I've not had to look for any sponsors. And at this point, I, you know, I, I probably get messages and emails, Daily, multiple times a day, and you really have to kind of sort through them and, and weed them out and see who's serious and who's not. And 99% of them are not very serious, you know. But um, yeah, I think at, at that point, kind of that three, two and a half, three year mark, we're kind of like, okay, um, how do we ramp this up? And if if we do, do I do I quit my teaching job? Which you know, in in China, I was teaching at an international school. It's it's a fairly lucrative job, especially Compared to the the dire <laughs> education or the teacher salaries in the US you know um, you know it was a good job that I enjoyed but I, I guess we kind of came to a point where we're just like okay we either have to go go on yeah. doing as we're doing and just kind of um, keep making videos here and there and maybe make a little money on the side with it or I, I quit my teaching job and we just focus on this and just go all out and that, that kind of came to a head. Two years. Let's see. About a year and a half ago. Um, so at that two and a half, three year mark, I did. Con- I did continue to teach for one more year. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of at that three and a half year mark, I kind of. Like, I, I decided to leave the school, um, which was not a huge risk because the school basically told me if I ever want to come back, I could come back. Yeah. So I always had that to fall back on. So then at that point, we decided we're going to commit one year, just working on this full time. And see what, we can, see what we can make it into. And at that time we found out we were pregnant. And so we had a, a child. And, uh, you know, that takes a lot of your time. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was great to be, have the freedom of, of not having the 9 to 5 job and being able to spend time with the baby and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is challenging trying to get work done and, and raise a baby at the same time.
0: Yeah. So after three years you only had the following on WeChat? chance? and then you were doing sponsorships every now and then or what ex- what was the business exactly
1: oh sorry so um so i started on a wechat and i did that for about a year okay or so and then i expanded out into other chinese social media platforms um weibo which is sort of like twitter that's a, a fairly big one um probably my biggest one in china is a platform called billy billy um it's a younger platform it was sort of based around anime and online video gaming and stuff like that. And it's audience, the the environment is very different than anything else. It's very, very young people that uh, are on this. But come to find out, you know, just after just uh, uploading my videos to all these third-party platforms that, you know, there's there's also an audience there that wants to learn English as well. So yeah. um, I have a fairly big audience on Billy Billy as well. Um, you know, the, the, the TikTok, which is in Chinese, Chinese is called Douyin. I have a account doing that, which I don't focus on as much because it's kind of a short form vertical videos. I'm kind of more long form horizontal videos. Um, what else do I have? Another one called, um, Tou Tiao, which is kind of more similar to the uh youtube model Jin or total it's called just called daily headlines that's roughly what it would translate to but i'm able to monetize a little bit on there through advertisements and you know profit sharing um from the the ads that you you see run across your screen but billy billy is not set up that way they they kind of make their money off selling video games and, and stuff like that so it's definitely a different environment on some of these platforms and you have just totally different fan bases as well
0: yeah so, out of all these platforms, which platforms? Which platform has been the most successful, or has been working best for you so far?
1: Um, as far as generating income, I would, I would definitely say YouTube. I think Early. YouTube's profit sharing plan is definitely the most generous. Um, I, th- I think on platforms like Billy Billy and Total, where I have a decent amount of fans, if you attract a sponsor. Um, they generally will, will pay maybe a little more than the sponsor might on YouTube for you know a, a shout-out video or a promotional video. Um, you know, f- for me, I have some courses that I sell, but um, I don't do like one-to-one teaching, so I'm I'm happy to promote a good quality app that does one-to-one teaching with you know international English, native English-speaking teachers because it, it kind of supplements what I do. It's not really in competition. So something like an app like that, I, I could probably charge more for on a platform like Billy Billy compared to YouTube. Yeah. However, because like these platforms in China are very insular, right? It's only a Chinese audience that's really watching them, versus YouTube, where you have you know everybody from all over the place watching them. You definitely can attract more, many more sponsors on YouTube, uh, and, a, and a much more much bigger variety of sponsors as well
0: yeah so, so maybe that's the reason why this, the chinese sponsors are willing to pay more because the audience is is more niche right is more specific
1: very much yeah very targeted um, exactly
0: mm-hmm. so how do you go about maintaining all these platforms i mean you just mentioned you're active on i don't know five six seven platforms um do you want to maintain all the platforms do you think it's necessary how do you go about that
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a different situation in China. I mean, in the US or I guess outside of China, you've got, you've got YouTube and then you've got Facebook a little bit. They're kind of getting into the video game and to a lesser extent, maybe Instagram and like Vimeo possibly. And that's really about it. Um, but in YouTube, you know, you've got 20 or 30 competing platforms, right? And, what i've done is just kind of picked the top ones that were that were doing the best for me and um the ones that look like they're going to probably be around in the future you know the ones that have good investment by by big companies um so i've i've probably got four or five that i focus on in china and yeah i mean every every time i have a video i'm just op- you know just my browser's open just full of tabs and i'm just uploading videos all at the same time so a fast internet connection is a must so I can, you know, get these things uploaded kind of simultaneously. Um, yeah, and you just copy and pasting the titles and the description and uploading the thumbnails. and yeah. It's just kind of the way you have to do it. Um, you, you could just focus on one platform potentially or, you know, some uh, creators, maybe they get a contract with one platform to be exclusive on there. Um, I mean, if, if you're that size, you're probably – You're probably making the big bucks, so (laughs) you can afford to just, you know, okay, I'll go exclusive. Pay me this much money, you know, pay me a million dollars, I'll go exclusive on your platform. Okay, done. You know, yeah, kind of one of those. I'm not there yet. I haven't been offered that, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, it just it's kind of just kind of the way it is. There's just, you know, so much competition. Hmm. Whereas I think uh, I'm sure in other countries there's there's you know if you go to India I'm sure they have their own video platform or japan or or whatever but youtube just kind of dominates the the global market yeah. right and they and they're not really a competitor in china because they're you know technically blocked right so yeah so what would you say to
0: anyone out there who already has a big youtube channel and they're thinking about diversifying you know would it be worth to expand to the chinese platforms and start publishing content there or would you say it's too competitive too much hassle people are not serious on a platform like Billy Billy um, better double down on YouTube.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always worth testing out the waters. I think you, it's almost expected, you know, in Chinese platforms, you have subtitles, especially if you're speaking a, a foreign language, a non Chinese language, you have, you know, multi uh, bilingual subtitles um, because you're going to find like in my audience, I have such a, a vast array of, of English language abilities, right? You have your very basic, I can say my name, my name is this, I love you, hello, goodbye. And that's all they can speak to people that are, you know, like native level, right? And everything in between. So um, it's, de- it's definitely worth it if you want to, to test the waters. I think the idea that, you know, it's, it's too competitive or um, it's just too saturated of a market, that's a bit of a. It's it's a bit of an excuse, you know. You you could say that for YouTube as well. A lot of people don't do YouTube because, they have this belief that it is too saturated. Well, you know, if you have something different to offer, there's people. The people on YouTube, are always looking for something new to watch. They're always looking for that new creative content, a slant or a different viewpoint on things maybe they hadn't heard of before. Um, I think maybe that's. One of the reasons why maybe my channel was successful in china maybe the way i teach or how i taught and the things i taught were maybe different than they've heard growing up and they found that useful um and so if you think you have that kind of a slant or an edge yeah you should definitely definitely try china you know mm-hmm. um, there, there are some challenges that are gonna that you're gonna run into as far as you know if you are able to monetize and you, you do grow um you know maybe might have some challenges getting them the money sent out overseas. That's always a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, a lot of people outside of China that want to um, do English teaching or whatever teaching in China, they, they work with MCNs a lot and that can be a great way to get in and have somebody do all the legwork. All you're doing is you're, you're being creative, creating the content. They're doing all the, the uploading and the, the selling yeah. and the customer service and, Yeah. Uh, how do you call that? What's that?
0: Uh, how do you call that? How do you call these companies? Is there a name for that? MTN. Or? MTN. MCN. MCN.
1: Multi, multi-channel network. Ah, okay. So these these companies will have 10 or 20 or 30 creators grouped together, and they'll get work directly with some of the platforms yeah. to get you know emotional resources. Because it's not like on YouTube. Like you can't just go on YouTube and... And pay. I guess you could pay to advertise your videos, but you can't just pay and have your video put on the trending page, right? But uh, there are resources on some of the Chinese platforms where you know the more pull you have, which these MCNs, these multi-channel networks, do have. um, They can they can boost your videos, right, and get you more views, Hmm. grow your channel very quickly, um, especially on like Douyin and TikTok, where. I mean the 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 turnaround for content is just so fast you're, you know you're talking 10 to 15 seconds of video and people are flipping through videos like crazy right so there's there's so much potential there so I I think the the idea that if you think the the, the market's too saturated or it's just there's just too much competition to me it's just a it's an ex, it's either an excuse or it's a it's a lie that you believe there's if you have any creativity at all there's, there's always going to be a market for what you have to to tell what you have to say yeah. And, yeah and you've
0: proven that over and over again right publishing content not only on youtube but also on billy billy and all the other platforms and they all seem to work in in, in some way right how, how big is the yeah. following on on the chinese platforms just to compare with um what you have on youtube
1: yeah so i think on billy billy is my biggest one probably around somewhere between 700 and 800,000 followers. Um, I think on Weibo, I'm probably around the 200,000 range. Same with WeChat. And then on the Toutiao, I'm probably around the 400,000 range. And I think on YouTube, I'm like 700,000 or so. Yeah. Something like that. So, so, oh, so Billy Billy is still my biggest.
0: Yeah. And out of all these platforms... Um, where do you think that leads or followers are worth the most? Is that YouTube, or not necessarily? Yeah.
1: Um, well, it depends on what you're doing. I, I would say, as far as like selling, selling. Let's say, I, let's say I make a a twelve video pronunciation course, which I have done. Um, I can sell that in China pretty pretty well. It's uh, the payment system. It's it's very easy to set up. You know, I don't have to enter a credit card or nothing. It's just here it is click on the qr code scan it you're in you're in the you know uh, the the little mini program in, in wechat it's like they have these mini programs which is hard to explain but it's basically a piece of proprietary software within the app uh, it's like an app within an app let's yeah. say that yeah so i you could click on the teacher mike app in the wechat and it would go to um my pe- like a little mobile web page and you could see the course details, you could read about it, and you could just pay right there um, and then just get immediate access to it all on your mobile phone in the matter of seconds. <sighs> so in the U.S., you're looking at something else, right? Maybe you have to enter your credit card and yeah. uh, PayPal possibly, which is is also fairly convenient. So.
0: Yeah, so there is almost no friction. What I find fascinating is to see how powerful an app like, like WeChat must be because like on, mm-hmm. on the western end and everything is quite separate right like you have like you put your videos on youtube and then you host your course either on your own website or on a platform like teachable for example um mm-hmm. well your website you, you just upload on your own domain right but you know in china they don't check the email no they check wechat they don't need yep. a website no they use wechat and they also don't use a separate course but they use wechat so everything Everything is hosted on, on WeChat, right? Isn't that scary that yeah. the company controls, well, the biggest part of your business, I guess?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess all of my business rests in the hands of a bunch of different companies, really, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, China is, I think in the last 10 years, 10 to 15 years, it's just the development has been so rapid that they just kind of skipped a lot of things. You know, they went from cash skipped credit card, went straight to mobile pay yeah um you know they went from kind of i mean this this obviously had computers and they went to school with you know learning word processing all this stuff but they kind of skipped the personal computer stage and went straight to mobile phones yeah right so everything's really centered around that like everybody had a mobile phone straight away yeah. but maybe not necessarily a their own laptop hmm. um and so they just got used to and now I would say the whole world is very much used to computing on their mobile phone. Yeah, but um,
0: yeah, I, th- I think that in many aspects, ch- China is already much further developed than than Western countries. Like like this morning, I brought my son to school. I was listening to the radio, and then they were saying that in Belgium, eighty five percent of all payments are still in cash. In the Netherlands, it's like wow. thirty thirty five percent. In China, I don't know, but it must be much lower. Um,
1: yeah, I I haven't used cash, in... I've, I've I came back in December. I don't remember using cash once yet since I've come back. <laughs> yeah, that's um, so it is nice. You know, you you gotta wonder about what's going on in the background a bit, but it's for the small things. You know, just the everyday things. It is a nice, a very nice convenience um, to have. So um, it's, yeah, it's 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 quite amazing. Like I said, they these i don't know how to describe it but sometimes you know the last one in the game they have the best products right because they see everybody else who was doing it and the mistakes that they made come along and don't make those mistakes and just go straight to the good stuff you know
0: yeah yeah it's interesting to see because sometimes you know when you want to learn about online marketing you know all that like copywriting and and sales funnels like all those concepts they all come from the u.s right but you Mm -hmm. know when you see that when you see how like the internet and, and apps have been developing in China, you know, I'm always yeah. wondering which country is further ahead, where in which direction are we going? Are we you know, is the future the, the US or like if you look at the digital digital yeah, landscape I don't know. or is China further ahead? Are we moving towards that?
1: It's, I think they're just they're two different environments, right? So you, you have different consumer habits you know, I don't think the U.S. is going to give up credit cards anytime soon, just because the you know the the reward benefits you get. Like I, I use credit cards as much as I can because I get tons of frequent flyer miles and hotel points, and I fly for free and I stay at a lot of free hotels. Like I love that. You know, it's worth it for me. Yeah. With WeChat, you don't get any of that. So um, there's you know there's upsides and downsides to both. But um, thinking about the you know just the technology. Uh, just like coming at a later date, I, there's an example I was thinking about, and that's uh, Mobike. Have you heard of Mobike at all? No. So it's essentially there's you, when you get out of your apartment compound or a subway, there's these bikes all over the oh, place. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You go and scan it, and you pay. You know, maybe one or two RMB. Thing <laughs> clicks open, and you're off. You just, you know, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. But when those first came out, let's say about three years ago. There must have been 10, at least 10 brands. Yeah. So you go on the street and there's, you know, there's a green one, the blue one, the orange one, the red one, the yellow one, the yeah. purple one. And you have to have a different app for each one, right? Yeah, They're yeah. all coming out. They're all trying to get in this market space. And eventually only one survived and that was Mobike. But now, like again, you have this idea where these everybody's coming in at the end. You have these other bikes coming in. Um, one of them is run by Alibaba. They kind of just waited and they just let everybody else die off, <laughs> compete with each other, in.
0: kill each other, and then yeah,
1: <laughs> they came in. They built a better bike, a much more comfortable ride, you know, stronger. Because the the Mobikes were breaking down a lot; they'd always get a broken one. And so they just kind of waited and they saw everything and they made everything better. And now they've got a majority of the the market share. And the Mobike, I believe, they were bought out by another bigger company. Who kind of rebranded them and, and made their bikes better? So now there's only two. There's this one called Meituan, which is a huge company, and another one, the the Alibaba, the Alipay bikes. So those are the only ones left, basically. But uh, it's just yeah, it's just interesting how that that stuff works.
0: Yeah, and the same for the taxi apps, right? Like first you also had Uber in China, but I think now they like eventually yeah. they they got they, they went bankrupt or they got bought out by or they merged it's, with it's, with Didi. It's or?
1: complicated. They had a lot of things going against them. They, When they first launched, they only allowed payment by credit card, which was a, a terrible idea, mm. um, but they also had some uh, kind of problems that, you know, they couldn't accept the Alipay and the the WeChat pay due to some government regulations <laughs> yeah. and, you know, being able to send money outside of China, and uh, it was just a mess, and they they started to get a, a market share, and then uh, eventually, they just kind of decided to um sell, like, a sell their company to DD. And I think they kept like a twenty percent. I can't remember. You'd have to Google it. I yeah. think they kept like a twenty percent share of of DD, which was, in hindsight, probably a smart move. But um, with with all the the red tape going against them and just their inability to, it's it's hard for a company like that to to really make it in in China and. Um, you know they have to adapt to Chinese purchasing methods and Chinese habits, and you can't just expect to replicate a model, you know, from Europe or the U.S. or wherever else, and just replicate it here perfectly. It's got to be adapted.
0: Yeah. Do you do you get any friction by running your company from China or in China? Like, do you have it registered in China? or
1: Yeah, it's registered in China. Um, no, we don't have too much friction but you know we're not making billions and billions of dollars yeah. like uber probably was trying to do <laughs> so uh, we're kind of small potatoes you know but it's it's enough to be quite content and uh and enjoy life so
0: yeah you're running the business together with your wife or do you do everything by yourself? yep
1: so it's actually in her name because um, her being a chinese citizen it was uh, a lot easier to to start it up mm-hmm. um otherwise we would have had to do it under my name and start a an international a, a wholly owned foreign uh i can't remember what the name of it yeah I think they call it a woofy the wholly owned international foreign company something like that but uh, it's a lot more time consuming and costly to set up so i'm yeah. essentially just an employee of my wife's company
0: yeah and you do everything together do you work with a team do you outsource
1: so, I mean, I pretty much do all of the content creation. She handles all of the, the business side of everything, negotiating um, promotion deals, um, a lot of these kind of things, getting registered, you know, local business, like working with the accountant and um, whatever kind of sort of government registration stuff we have to do, all that kind of stuff. And then I have another guy that works for me part time. To help do he'll help me do some basic editing and you know put on the subtitles um stuff that I just have to I don't have time for subtitles can be quite time consuming, especially if you know I'm not a native Chinese speaker so to to give him a video with the English transcript and he can just translate everything into Chinese and put the subtitles on for me, it's worth paying him for that, yeah, I think we're gonna get to a point here in the next year or so where we might need to hire someone on full-time yeah I'm not there yet but i can see that coming on the horizon and i don't know how i feel about that just yet
0: <laughs> yeah kind of a scary idea isn't it
1: that's not as much scary as uh, you know how much how how big do i do i need to be or how big do i need to get it um I'm pretty happy where we're at now i guess if you're you're not growing or shrinking maybe that's yeah. something to that too Um, I don't I definitely don't want to be into a situation where I've got, you know, five or 10 employees and I've got a huge rental office to pay for and like all these other things. And, you know, opening a school, I'm just working, you know, 75 hours a week trying to juggle all these things. I definitely don't don't want to be in that position. So, yeah, i prefer to keep it small if I could
0: yeah so there is a book it's called the company of one and i recommend it to our listeners so it basically says that you need to focus on making the company better not bigger mm. um in the end you, yeah. you build a company for well everybody has different ambitions but most of us build a company to make our own lives better right our own and our family's lives yeah. and and making it bigger yeah it's not <laughs> it's not always. Is not always the solution, right? You hire more people, more stress, more responsibility, more problems. Exactly. Um, but it's I guess it's time. interesting. At the to, end of the day, yeah. It's time. yeah, and I guess it's also interesting to just you know to to try it out. Maybe it is better. Maybe not. Sometimes the only way to find out is by just giving it giving it yeah. a try,
1: right? Do Ten you, years ago, maybe yeah. you know, I was still single and no kids, then that might have been interesting to me, but (laughs) right now, um, I, I enjoy having the, the freedom to set my, my work time and spend as much time as I can with my family. Um, so that's, that's worth more to me than anything. Yeah. How many
0: hours per week do you work?
1: Oh, it, it really depends, you know, some weeks, um, you know, like when my, my wife, she does also freelance market research, So when she has a big project, you know, I'll have to watch our son and maybe my workload is cut down a little bit as far as making videos. You know, maybe so then I'm only working 10 hours a week to pump out one video, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, This week, you know, her projects are are done and actually our, our son's going to be starting preschool next week. So that'll free up a lot of time. And so we both really want to start working on... Setting up more courses, recording them, and getting some new content, some really high-quality course content that we can sell. Yeah. And she's going to be working on the business side of that. So um, this these upcoming weeks, like this week, I'll be you know I'm just working every day um, trying to get stuff going, get stuff posted online that I can start selling. Um, so it it could it could vary. You know, uh, when I go to record courses, man, it's sometimes it's just like 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., just me talking in front of a camera in Chinese for six days straight. You know, that's that's not a fun week, but you have to do it. You know, those are, those are your income generators, right? The, yeah. the creative stuff that makes you. I like to focus on making money, you know, while I sleep. It's just trying to generate passive income, income, you know, things that trying to make things, create things that are going to uh, make you money. You just do it once and they're going to continue to make you money for years to come.
0: Yeah. So how important is it to create courses then? Would you say that most of your income comes from core sales or not necessarily? Um,
1: I, th- I think course sales are a good supplement, a good stable supplement. It's definitely not the majority. Um, I was making them up till about probably March or April of last year in the company I was working with. Um, they decided to kind of stop doing that. Um, so they gave me all the rights to the courses. Of course I had to re-edit them and take all their branding out and um, I'm still in the process of re-uploading them and marketing them for myself now. Um, but I would like to come up with some some new ideas, some new things, start getting them out into you know international platforms like Udemy, yeah. stuff like that, not just in the mainland China. Um, so that might take some time to, to rerecord some of those. And cause a lot of them are in Chinese, right. Um, and just re-recording them all in English and coming up with something new and interesting that maybe people haven't seen or, or heard before and, and trying to sell those as well. So yeah. I think it will be in the future. That's, that's the way it's kind of the direction I'd like to, to go towards just because it it can be fairly lucrative. And again, you know, I'm I'm putting in the hours now so that I can have, um, you know, that those courses, those that creative material generate income for me, you know, while I'm off doing other things, you know, hopefully more creative things.
0: Yeah. So how do you how do you how do you come up with all these ideas? Like, do you talk to to other creators in China, or you discuss you come you know you get all these ideas from talking to your wife, or do, do you connect with with all creators? the creators
1: yeah all of the above I mean collaborations are, are definitely important um, I do a fair amount of collaborations I think when I was a smaller channel and you know I reached out to a couple bigger channels they were you know kind enough to make a video with me and it, it probably helped me out some you know I, I don't think you can just rely you can't just rely on collaborating with big youtubers to to boost your channel at the end of the day it's got to be your content that people want to watch and so that was kind of an important lesson i learned from that but still it was really cool of them to to help me out and uh, i think that's one one lesson i I could i could share is you know if you are a small youtube channel and you want to reach out to some of these bigger channels I, i think you'd find they're more receptive than you might think not probably not all of them but most of them people you know they love to help each other out in this space people are generally on people generally understand that you know we're all stronger together by helping each other out and promoting each other it's not a traditional competition where yeah you know if, you know i can't work with you you're going to steal my customers and vice versa it's like actually we our customers we have a lot of the same customers in common and we can mutually benefit you know so it's it's kind of, uh, it's hard to get out of that mindset of mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Scarcity the competition mindset, mindset right? So. Yeah, I,
0: I guess especially in our niche, like in language learning, people like to buy many products, right? Like you don't just buy one mm-hmm. language course and you're fluent. No, they they, exactly. they watch your channels, they buy your course, and they, they look at other you know, YouTube channels. that also buy their courses. There is yeah, not enough space for for everybody, I think that's one of the reasons why everybody usually agrees to do an interview on the podcast here, for example, because, yeah, maybe yeah. there is competition, but at the same time, we're also helping each other, so, um,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's 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 a must, and, you know, like, as far as ideas and stuff, like, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll watch a lot of YouTube videos and get, you know, inspiration from other YouTubers uh, my wife gives me some great ideas just general observations I'll think of something in the middle of the night and write it you know a note on my phone I've got a, a huge list of on my phone of probably like 200 different ideas that have come to me at random times of video topics you know just really it comes down to finding the time to get around to filming them and editing them because that's ultimately the the place where your, your time is spent so yeah choosing which ideas are best but at the end of the day you know Someone once told me, you know, there's nothing really, nothing original anymore. So a a lot of that is, is true. You know, you you can find what other people are doing online and you think to yourself, you know, I could, I could do this. This was good, but I could make it way better. And, you know, from a different angle, um, it, it might still be related to that topic, but it's, you know, your own slant on it and it's just done in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's fine too. You know, it's, it's okay to do that if you have something else to, to add on top of it. So, you know. Um, I think I made one video a few years ago, kind of rating the, like some Chinese pop stars English. Yeah. Cause a lot of them have quite good English. You know, they've, they've traveled all over the world and, um, they speak multiple languages and and things like that. And that was like one of my first videos that really got really popular. Um, and then I saw other people were doing videos like that and then kind of talking about each individual person's English. And so I, and they're kind of giving a rating for just like they take one person's English and give that person a rating. And then a lot of people started doing that. And then I just kind of decided, well, I could kind of do that, but maybe not rate them. Maybe just take some learning points, yeah, um, like some pronunciation skills that they're doing or some, some really cool slang words that they used or um, some phrasal verbs that, that came out in their interview or whatever. And like just teach those. And those are, those are all so also generally really popular people in china like to you know see what their favorite pop stars you know what their level of english is like and what they can learn from them it's it's a fun way to learn english right yeah so a lot of my ideas come from from that other youtubers inspire me a lot
0: Hmm. so what are some of the ideas that haven't worked at all
1: oh man (laughs) i actually it's funny you ask this because last week uh, I decided to do a reaction video. I thought maybe I'll start getting into reaction videos, and so I, I like, I took my very first video that I ever made, which was horrible. I mean, it was a terrible video, and I watched it and I reacted to it, and I thought the video was was pretty funny. When I was done, you know, reacting to it and kind of really criticizing myself. I thought it was a good video, but I put it online. You know, hardly anybody watched it. So <laughs> maybe reaction videos aren't my thing. Yeah. What are some of the? Um,
0: I mean, here on the podcast, we like to talk about things that that have worked very well and that haven't worked very well. While well, you just shared an idea, but when it comes to overall business building, can you share some of the struggles that you've had? I mean, what you're doing is um, building an audience. Is, is not easy. Building an online business is not easy. And you're doing that while being in another country, doing everything in another language, in Chinese, um, on other platforms that might have restrictions. Yeah, what are some of the the struggles that you've faced so far?
1: <coughs> yeah, I think a lot of those struggles you mentioned, although they are struggles, they're, they're, they're things you can get around. I think the hardest one to get over is the the mental one right um and that is to kind of really keep going when it seems like no one's interested in your videos and no one's watching and maybe you don't feel like you're adding any value um do, and you're do you not still making have, any money
0: do you still have those thoughts i mean you have millions of, of followers right or you you yeah, say at the beginning stage it,
1: it slowly kind of kind of narrows down now that now that i'm kind of um, a little bigger in the space i I have a much better understanding of what kind of videos my viewers want to see which kind of videos get uh, more views Um, and so i have a lot more confidence now when i make a video to 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 believe that it's going to do well um you know when i have a video and i pitch it to my wife or or my the guy that works for me part-time when I pitch it to them and they say, yeah, this is going to be really good. This will be really interesting. Whereas before we'd have all these ideas and we do a lot of them and just like, ah, it just wasn't that interesting. And so, I mean, I thought it was interesting, but other people didn't, you know, it's, that's kind of the thing with YouTube. You can spend a hundred hours making this amazing video, which is amazing to you, but nobody watches it. And then your next video, you spend five minutes just filming yourself unedited walking down the street Explaining something that you saw that was strange in China or something and it just goes viral. You know, you just it has there's no there's zero correlation to (laughs) the amount of time you put into a video. So that's one thing you need to realize. You really need to know the people you're you're talking to and like what they want to see and you need to stay with trends. You know, trending topics are a huge thing. Um, You know, those those kind of videos do very well. Although you know they're a little more, uh, how would you say they they expire very quickly, yeah. right? You know after a week is gone, like no one's ever gonna watch that again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and but there's there's other videos like like I said the celebrity English videos, you know the pop star English videos. Those those seem kind of timeless, right? People are always interested when they stumble upon your channel. Yeah, there's always somebody ready to to watch those but yeah I've had tons of tons of terrible ideas so
0: (laughs) how do you keep yourself motivated to create content because well we all know that if we want to keep growing we need to be consistent right but maybe you're not always in the mood to create videos or how do you keep yourself motivated and uh, accountable
1: well now I'm I mean I'm a year and a half into full time so I I can't really stop now so (laughs) one motivation is like well if I stop I I just um, not going to make any money, <laughs> um, and also, you know, on on YouTube, I I would assume the algorithm. Well, I know the algorithm works in a way where, you know, if you stop making videos for a while, you're just going to drop out of all their promotional uh, features. So um, that's that's I guess I guess that's one small thing. <laughs> um, I mean, the motivator is just the freedom that I have. I mean, assuming there was. No COVID, I could, you know, I could really do this from anywhere and travel anywhere I want as long as I have a good internet connection and can, you know, sit down for a couple days per week and put some time in. But um, obviously I can't do that right now, so I'm just, I'm content here in Shanghai, but um, yeah, the motivation is just to have this life of being free of of the nine to five. Yeah being able to do something I enjoy, interacting with fans, providing a good future for my son, and hopefully my wife and I building something. Um, I don't want to say like a legacy. That's that's way too big of a word. But just, yeah, building something and, and spreading uh, something positive. Like, you know, education should be accessible for, for all. And I hope I'm making English learning more accessible for people that maybe, you know, can't afford it or have a limited budget and but they really want to learn because there are a lot of those people out there you know yeah. so um, there's a lot of good reasons to be motivated
0: so you really keep yourself motivated with the carrots and the stick so you, the carrot Basically, is the motivation yeah. right and the stick is if you don't work then yeah you might lose money because youtube might not feature your videos anymore or uh, i don't know sponsors are not interested anymore um yeah, yeah good.
1: i actually. A couple of years ago, I, I hurt my neck really bad. I slipped a disc. And, I mean, I, I literally just, I couldn't sit in front of a computer for a couple months. So I just couldn't do videos, really. And when I did start making videos again, it felt like I was starting all over. You know, everything I put out, there was just no views. So it, it took quite a while. I want to say at least four, five, six months before I started to get views back. So, um, you know, and there's and there's so-called dead channels out there you know people with millions of followers that just stop creating content and every once in a while they'll throw a video out there but you know no one no one sees it so um yeah it's it's that algorithm is really uh they really got a little bit of control of you to to keep (laughs) keep going so that's uh, one of those things you don't you don't really want to stop because you're a little worried about losing your your momentum so
0: it's part of the youtube game i guess it it, it can it be is, great it right to, to to reach people from all over the world but you need to yeah it keeps you accountable let's put it that way
1: <laughs> it does and you know in this in this line of work i guess i guess one of the biggest downsides is there's there's never really a day off you know maybe i'll you know i don't work as much i don't work like 10 hours a day right but um, it's not. There's not like one day I can go without at least checking this or checking that or replying to this person. You know, there's, there's always a little yeah. something to do. Yeah, and that's that's more on me. You know, I I really could just take a day and just be like, okay, no computers, no phone, one day a week or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah,
0: I've I've discussed this with with many entrepreneurs. I think it's not just for YouTubers or people who do stuff on social correct. media. I think this is a really entrepreneurial thing, right? This is. Like, the yeah. mission that we're on, it's impossible to, to switch it off. And, you know, exactly. I've had people who said, Jan, how can I how can I turn that off? And I think it's impossible. I think, like, what works for me, for example, is just to do and, and go other things, just to, to, to do something with the family yeah. or to go do things with friends, to, to just schedule things in your – put things in your agenda and just make sure that you are doing something else. But – Mm-hmm. Other than that,
1: I've uh, yep.
0: yeah, I haven't been able to come up with any other answers. Well, for
1: me, it's, you know, every time I get annoyed by that, you know, someone texting me with this question or I have to figure out this situation or figure out the next video whatever, you know, every If I feel annoyed or something, I just kind of remember, you know, do I want to go back to the 9-to-5 <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. job? <laughs> There's absolutely nothing wrong with the 9-to-5 job because there is, I think there is a there was something nice about teaching when I was working at the school where you just, when you're clocked in, you're in. And what, when you're out, you're just, you know, you don't have to worry or think about any of that stuff, right? It's just you can do and focus on whatever else you want to do in your, your leisure time. So I think there's something nice that I do miss about that, the routine and the the separation of life and work, which was, which was very nice. But if I have to choose one, (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I think that the freedom of being the entrepreneur and you know working where I want to work and setting my my work schedule um, and work pace. I think I choose that every day.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's very good to realize that because you know, I also talk to people who you know that have a great business. Like everybody is jealous of what they are doing, running an online business on autopilot, making lots of money. And every time when something happens. You know, when something unpleasant happens in the business like yeah shit maybe i should go and do something else and then you know once you yeah. start really thinking about it re- do you really want to go back to the 95 yeah. yeah i think then it's very yeah. you very quickly realize that you're in a very fortunate position and you should be grateful for what you have right so, exactly well oh, great. it's
1: good to have perspective yeah
0: any other tips or advice that you want to pass on to our listeners who are Maybe yeah,
1: I would say you know if if you're thinking about starting social media or YouTube and you really want to get into that space um, if you think you have something to add creatively uh, you just 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 do it the hardest step is just starting and um, and being persistent right like it took me three and a half almost four years before I went full time that was just doing it on the side um, but I don't regret it and there was there was definitely several times where I, I was this this close to just quitting and just say whatever, you know, to heck with it all. But there's, there's always, the, YouTube's not going away. It's not getting any smaller. Now there's Facebook or Instagram. So if, if you think you have something to add um, creatively, just go for it and just keep trying different things, you know, and eventually one of them is just going to blow up and you're not going to understand why, but you need to figure out why. And figure out what made people engage with that content, whatever it is, and um, try to replicate it or, or, you know, try to narrow narrow down your uh, your channel to start focusing on something instead of casting a wide net. And, yeah, I mean, YouTube is really about uh, – I, I was talking to a big, huge YouTuber. Her name is Wengi. Wung- Wingy, she's a huge Australian Chinese YouTuber. I don't know, she's got like 20 million followers or something ridiculous on YouTube. But she, she, yeah, she told me. She told me YouTube is just about trying to make people lazy. So if you can offer anything <laughs> to help people make their life easier, do something faster, you know, life hacks. And for for me, my space, that's you know, learning language, right? So. Um, if, if you can offer some value in that sense or something creative, then uh, just go for it and see what happens. There's, there's always room for more. There's always room for more. People are hungry for new content on YouTube and social media all the time. They want to see what you got to offer. So that would be my advice.
0: Great. Mike, thank you so much. If people want to learn more about you and if they want to see some of your work, where can it go?
1: So on YouTube, it's Teacher Mike, uh, and the Chinese is Mike Halauer. So if you see a, a name with Teacher Mike followed by four Chinese characters, you're in the right spot. <laughs> and it would be the same on Facebook. I just started my Facebook, and I'm getting going on Instagram too. We'll see where that goes. Not quite sure. I had the same same issue on Facebook. I've been uploading for two years and nothing, nothing, and then bam, one video hit, and bam, I got like 30,000 followers all of a sudden. So starting to get into facebook a little more we'll see how that goes so yeah hopefully i'll see you there
0: all right thanks for listening to this episode and if you like this episode then please give this podcast a positive review in the app wherever whatever app that you're using that's going to help us grow the podcast and do more awesome things for you on the show if you want to listen to other episodes resources and um, you know maybe join one of our future events then go to langpreneur.com we also do help some of the biggest names in our industry to scale their six and seven figure businesses so if you want us to help you out with that then just uh, go to the website or just send me a dm on instagram at the langpreneur look forward to hearing from you and see you on the next episode